Welcome to episode 21 of The God Learners, a podcast about reading and playing in the mythical world of Glorantha. I am Ludovic, aka Lord Abdul. I'm Jörg, and our guest today is James Coquillard of Chaosium. You pronounced it wrong, I think. It's <laughs> all good. I don't mind. I'm very happy with that. Hello. I'm very happy to be here. Hey. Hi, James. Yeah, I'm happy, um, happy you're here. Um, people might not know who you are. Uh, who are you? And what is your geek cred to be here? Uh, gosh, I ask myself that question every day. No, in all, in all seriousness. Uh, so I am... Uh, part of the Chaosium team, kind of have two roles over there. First of all, I'm part of the digital content team. We do a lot of stuff with marketing and online support for Chaosium games like RuneQuest, Call of Cthulhu, all of the standard stuff. And then I am also on the Call of Cthulhu editorial team. So I work to develop scenarios for Call of Cthulhu and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. I know that you worked on like uh, Reign of Terror, I think, for Call of Cthulhu. You worked on the RuneQuest starter set, which we'll uh, talk a bit more uh, a bit later. Uh, how how did you get started in RPGs and how did you end up at Chaosium? Yeah, well, I got started in tabletop role playing games when I was quite young, from uh, as a player, at least. I had relatives that introduced me to it. Some of my fondest memories were sitting in an attic in Paris after having been given my first Dungeons and Dragons book, which was, I think, the, the Guide du Maître for the second edition. And I have it behind me somewhere, but it was lovely and I was just overwhelmed by it all. I got called Cthulhu quite early because I had you know, family and friends who were into it. I was always playing it. When I finished off at high school, I took the sort of academic creativity route, I guess you'd say. I did a course where a fine arts university course, and I was trained to be a screenwriter. Uh, while I was there, we had a unit in video games and I pestered the person teaching the unit until they gave me a job at their video game company, <laughs> started writing in video games. And I did that for a while until I transitioned across the tabletop. Nice. And how did you end up at Kiosium then? Oh, right. Yeah, of course. That's the next question. <laughs> um, well, I'm from Melbourne, Australia, and Melbourne's a great place, but it's quite a small geek community or it's a very well-tied geek community. So everyone really knows each other. Too many sportsy types going surfing and all that or... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. No, um, basically, I was working in video games and I knew uh, Mob. I knew uh, a lot of people in the Australian TTRPG scene, like Mark Morrison. Um, and it, one thing sort of just led to another. I started off just helping out with a little thing here and there. I think the first thing I ever did for Chaosium actually was helping with some of the translations of um, uh, Khan of Khan's The Board Game. Oh, cool. Yeah then one thing just led to another from there. Nice. At which point did you discover Glorantha and got into it? Was it, was it uh, forced onto you when you joined Chaosium? It's like, you, you have to get into this, man. Or Yeah, it's the, it's, it's the rules. You've got to go get a Glorantha tattoo. Otherwise, you're... Uh, <laughs> no, I was not very familiar with Glorantha. I think I had stumbled across it accidentally once or twice when I was growing up, but I had never dived into it enough to be properly aware of it. When I was in the process of joining Chaosium, because I started off very informally kind of doing bits and pieces for them, I figured that I should probably get more seriously familiar with some of the games. So I looked up the back catalog of products, I found RuneQuest, and I started properly diving into it. 
it was definitely something that I came to when I was older. So I must have been already approaching my mid twenties. And so two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm still very new to Glorantha and to RuneQuest, really. Yeah. Um, I think that actually I, I ended up finding Mithras quite early as well, uh, you know, so sort of getting exposed from, uh, obviously Mithras and RuneQuest are different games, but it, I, I didn't realize the connection between the two until suddenly I was sort of diving into this ecosystem. It was it was, it was was very different to anything I'd seen before, very different to anything I'd played. I was really quite taken by it. So, uh, RuneQuest, uh, the current edition of RuneQuest playing, uh, playing in Florantha was your first contact with the, uh, with RuneQuest. Absolutely, very much so. So I, to this day, I don't think I've really dived into any of the previous editions. I've got, I've read through a few of them just to get some background context, and I've definitely read through some of the old lore, like, material. But playing, no, I've only ever played RQG. Right. So actually, playing RQG, so most people might know you from mainly two things. Um your series of interviews uh, on the Kyozum YouTube channel, which are all great, uh, and your uh, actual play stream for RuneQuest, um, which you, so you had, you had a few of them, right? I think you had the the starter stream for a little bit. Yep. And then that went, um, um, when that ended, uh, well, later you started the, uh, the ongoing one that is still going on, which is the uh, new hero stream, right? Uh, how much of Glorenta and RuneQuest did you know before you had the amazing courage of running RuneQuest publicly <laughs> on, the, on the YouTube channel? Yeah, you know, it's quite funny. One of, one of the big goals for Chaosium with RuneQuest is to be able to bring it to as many young people as possible because we really think that the game is going to benefit by having a big influx of new people coming over to it and being able to take a look. So as someone who, you know, to Chaosium's eyes fit in that demographic, uh, <laughs> I was really put forward with the idea of uh, being somebody who had to get across it. Uh, Dave and I had a chat and I had more of a grounding it than he did. So I really dived in. When we started the stream, I was amongst all of my friends, someone who knew a weird amount of RuneQuest and had dived reasonably deeply into that. But amongst actual RuneQuest fans, I'd hardly scratched the surface. You know, I, <laughs> yes. I obviously there's a lot there uh, mechanically and from a setting perspective in particular. So I, I definitely didn't know a, a, a huge amount. I, I spent a lot of time studying it to try and bring myself up to date and that was ultimately why we decided to do the A New Hero stream the way we did, because we figured that learning on the way is the part of the fun. And that was something that made us really excited about TTRPGs when we were first playing them. Nice. Well, how much of a learning experience are your uh, interviews with Jeff when it comes to Garanda? They were really fantastic, incredibly useful. I definitely a few times skewed an interview because we fil we film a few more chats than we actually put up into that uh, series. So I've, I've once or twice, I've known that I had to run something and I've skewed an interview towards it. So I can <laughs> be like, let me just get the background lore on this <laughs> so I can make sure that I'm up to date. Uh, Andrew, who's also part of the Chaosium team, has also been incredibly useful with that. There's been a few times where I just call him up in the middle of the day and uh, <laughs> ask questions like, so what, what exactly are the undead in, in RuneQuest? Can you, can you, because I'm a little yeah. confused by this and this. So it, it was really great to have him there as a resource. What what were your um, actually your main you know stumbling blocks or questions about either 
RuneQuest the game or Glorantha as a setting? Sure. Well, I'll address both of those individually. I'll start off with the setting. Um, I think that when I jumped into RuneQuest at first, uh, I grew up in the, I guess you would call it the the slick era of the very, I, I, I would say generic fantasy, not in a bad way, but in that very inspired by Tolkien, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, I've heard a joke, the same field in England somewhere for, for a lot. So I was very, very used to that formulaic fantasy and I loved it. And I still love that stuff really to this day, but Glorantha was completely different. So it was quite weird to see all these uh, tropes, particularly that were a little older from the 70s and 80s use and that I also didn't necessarily have a connection with. I remember all of the the beastmen uh, in various forms just felt very different to me. I know that a lot of people will say, oh, RuneQuest, the ducks are strange. The ducks weren't any more strange than scorpion men or all of the other, you know, anthropomorphized <laughs> animals that were around. I was like, this is quite an odd uh, way to throw in fantasy. Then uh, I hadn't played a lot of 40k either or any of the warhammer material so the concept of chaos was a little foreign to me i had to sort of get an idea of oh it's totally evil and i think it was mark morrison who actually said to me at one point just think of the lunar empire as the romans and the praxians as like the mongols and you're like every gaulish village or every like uh, you know, small village in, in before the path of Alexander the Great or something. And I went, right. that's yeah. great. That's that's a fantastic grounding point for me. And I went from there. Yeah, it's it's important to have references that somebody can grasp, uh, especially when you have, you know, much more learned uh, Glorantophiles who throw obscure historical names and say like oh it's like those guys and you're like i have no idea what a thrashing is or yes so, so yeah it's important <laughs> to be able to sort of you know quote unquote dumb it down to things that everybody might know yeah absolutely the other big stumbling block i had was just and i still make uh, mistakes with this occasionally is the number of gods that there were so i jumped in and i would kind of get characters mixed up uh i eventually after doing some reading, did get through. And now I feel quite confident jumping between all of the main gods. But there are still occasions where something pops up and because it maybe hasn't been super explored in the RQG material, I don't recognize it immediately or I have to go, wait a minute, who is that? So I'm kind of good on the main aspects, but I don't have any information on some of the the more uh, niche ones. Right, yeah. I hear there's like a whole bunch of books coming up for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really exciting stuff coming. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I'm not sure what we're allowed to share, but uh, right, quite at this That's stage. Fine. That's fine. Yeah, but uh, it's, it should be really good. Yes. Yeah. Did you get to play RuneQuest before you had to GM it? So I have this group of friends, that, and that is kind of my TTRPG testing ground, proving ground. We've been playing since we were in high school, and that's really where we dived into everything. The first time I played RuneQuest, I was running it for them. So I wasn't running it in a professional sense in that I wasn't, you know, jumping on stream. I wasn't playing with any of the Chaosium crew, but I basically went forward and we sat down and we dived into it and we started playing. Um, so yeah, my first RuneQuest experience was, was GMing it. I think I might have played 
like a hack once at a convention that someone put together, but it notably yeah. wasn't RuneQuest. It was, it was, it was like, yeah, it was yeah. a different game. <laughs> did you did you have any stumbling blocks with grasping the the system and and running it? Yeah, well, I suppose that's the the other point. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with BRP, and by the time I was jumping into the the Call of Cthulhu version, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So that's where I was coming for, and more specifically, Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition, which has some refinements in it. Oh, so the the already cleaned up and improved one. Yes. So I had read the uh, Gold Book, I think it was called the the BRP sort of old material. So I was familiar with RuneQuest in that way. I knew it was based out of this, but I they, I didn't inherit a lot of the mechanical knowledge, so I didn't feel comfortable improvising. Uh, and there was just a few things that I stumbled on. One of the obvious ones was I was so used to Call of Cthulhu values that I kept assuming that uh, the extreme success and the hard success applied to RuneQuest. I didn't get that there was a different system. Um, I had a little bit of trouble understanding uh, how strike ranks worked. I had a little bit of trouble understanding how magic <laughs> of worked. Of course, everybody has problem understanding Strike ranks. <laughs> I got I got through it eventually, but it was it was uh, uh it was it was thanks to because Dave is in the group that I where I do my testing and he does all his testing there too. So it was really fun, all of us kind of sitting around and going through it and really diving into it. I have to say, like on on the topic of Dave, is that he is a great GM assistant. Like he's always, you know, while you're busy trying to get the story to keep going, he's quickly checking up some PDF or some book to uh, to figure out a rule or something. And and I think it's it's great to have somebody that can help the GM on a very crunchy system. So you know, hi Dave, you're doing great. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We work very closely. Obviously, we're both based in Melbourne, Australia, and we've known each other for years, so we are able to work pretty closely on that stuff to to give him his full credit due he's also uh running the stream most of the time there's a few streams where i've run things mostly in the call of cthulhu ones but dave is definitely the stream wizard so he's got his whole deck there moving between camera feeds and he's also getting rules which is really great oh wow okay yeah <laughs> nice Do you have any advice for uh, new GMs to uh, request Glorantha, especially for those who can't actually just quickly call, you know, Andrew or Jeff or Mob and ask <laughs> questions? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, unless you want to share their phone numbers publicly, but I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a unique position to, if you have a problem, you know, with your with your game, be able to say, well, you know what, I'm talking to Jeff next week. I guess I'll just ask him then. Yeah, well, like, but... what, yeah, what, what would you do if you couldn't ask him about the undead, for example? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. No, um, my biggest piece of advice, there's a lot of things, I think, out there, and you can find people who've spoken about RuneQuest and they give really, really great advice about how to think of the world, about how to streamline mechanics. I want to try and say something that nearly really helped me, but that I don't think I've seen said a bunch. And that was to start really small, mm -hmm. particularly for somebody that didn't have the grounding in the world. 
isolating it to a very small area, which is what we tried to do with a new hero, was very helpful because it let me dive deeply into the really rich Glorantan lore as much as I could. But I didn't have to worry about all of the potential connections and all of the potential issues that that could raise. So, you know, you're just one village or just two villages that are rivals. And we're, we're really just going to focus on this. And then bit by bit, we can spread out what's interesting here. What do the players find interesting? And you can build out from there. And then suddenly, before you know it, you've got this whole really rich and detailed area. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, what published material did you start uh, jamming with? When I started, I had RQG, the core rulebook, and then I also had a bunch of inherited source books from, I think, even older editions of RuneQuest that I grabbed out. I went through a lot of them. We played a little bit. Then I think I picked up, of all things, I picked up the starter set and it actually made it a lot easier for me to get my players on board. Uh Which is funny. Yeah, I played a bit of RuneQuest, uh, but it was a lot of me working things out still. And then I started working on the solo quest inside the RuneQuest starter set with Dave. Uh, we put that together and that also helped cement it, cement the game more in our heads. And then we went and we said, well, we've got this material we just wrote. I guess, <laughs> I guess we should play it. <laughs> so we jumped in yeah. with that. Um, and that was, yeah, it was very useful, uh, to be able to give character sheets to people to sort of put out all the material and to have the pre-written uh, campaigns. It was very good. It's interesting that like, because I assume you were both you and Dave were fairly new to RuneQuest and Glorant at the time. And they gave you the task of writing the stuff that would most probably be the first piece of gaming material that any newbie would, would come in contact with, which is, Which, which both makes sense, but is also yeah. like, huh. <laughs> yeah. So there's a couple of reasons for it if you're interested. So yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm, ne I'm never sure whether I'm underselling or overselling how much I knew RuneQuest at the time. I think that if you're interpreting it and you're saying, it sounds like this person didn't know absolutely anything, that's a valid position to take. I also probably haven't, I did spend several months going through and when we jumped into the starter set, solo quest adventure we'd actually written another scenario which is had been submitted and reviewed and edited by jeff and we'd gone through and we demonstrated like we'd gotten editorial notes and been told to look up certain points of mechanics so we had demonstrated that we could write uh yeah. room quest scenarios although paradoxically that one hasn't come out yet and the, the solo quest has the second thing is that uh What we wanted to do with the solo quest is we wanted to make sure that we were doing something digital and we wanted to use a tool that could be accessed online. Uh, Dave and I were both very familiar with a software like Twine. So that, so we sort of wanted to do that as a proof of concept and put it together. So we jumped into that and we just made sure we worked quite closely with both Jeff and Jason to make sure that we got everything across and we didn't leave any egregious errors out there and then exactly as you say having somebody that is actually coming from a new player perspective can be quite useful if you're trying to teach new players yeah yeah and the the solo quest is great i uh, i like how uh, how it basically frames glorantha in uh it's the the whole concept of having like a solo quest in the starter sets is is just is just awesome i think it, it also presents some of the chunky bits of background uh, rather fluently with the uh, uh, rituals you can attend and stuff like that. How much of that uh, was done by you and how much uh, was dictated by Jeff? 
So we got an initial conversation with Jeff where we were given an outline for the mechanics that we had to include and the situation. So Jeff said, you're going to be at the Battle of Danger Ford. Uh, this is kind of what happened at the Battle of Danger Ford. Here are the key characters that are involved. I think it was a it was like a three-page kind of list of notes. And then here's all the mechanics you need to get through. So you have to do this, 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 and this. Uh, in the case of the, the ceremonies, I think that was entirely Dave and I. We were trying to think of ways to introduce characters. And we had a note that said, you need to introduce the gods and explain them. And we went, well, there'd be a you know pre-ceremony battle. So that makes the most sense. And we wrote them. I think that Jeff altered a little bit of the things that we did, you know, uh, refined how we wrote Huma, for example. Um, I, we, we, I mean, we, we weren't getting things egregiously wrong, but just some of the points on how the, uh, that, what was the line? I think that we, we had a whole thing about how the, at the ritual, they were sort of deliberately trying to shake you out of your meditation. So they were like wafting smelling salts around mm -hmm. because the mm -hmm. point is you had to be an ascetic. So you had to be able to resist the like and instead no it's more like peaceful and contemplative instead of like you know trying to meditate in a bed of nails or something like that <laughs> cool you said you ran uh the game you uh, wrote so basically did you run the solo adventure as a group uh, adventure uh that was a bit of a, a joke on my part so well, what, what i did actually though is i did everyone in that group because as i mentioned it's very much a playtesting group for me played the solo quest when we were coming along with it. So they all jumped through and we used their experiences to inform the way that the game went. We also had one character who, one player rather, who died to Vostor after an epic long battle and was messaging us on our group chat being like i'm in for 10 rounds like you know where we're still uh going through and everything like that and this might have been a version before we added the uh mechanical shifts that speed up the final battle if you get in gridlock against vostor and then that player went on to actually play vostor in the starter set uh material so no but no we actually just we we jumped straight in to running a rough landing and then um Uh, the other pre-written scenarios that were there. Cool. And I'll say quickly that was so prior to so prior to that though, all those players had played. We played a first very experimental RuneQuest adventure, which is quite similar to a new hero, I guess, in that it was a very localized village and it was just a bunch of it was a lunar tax collector and a bunch of Praxian raiders who came and they both asked for half your supplies. And you figured you couldn't <laughs> give them, you, you can't do that, you'll have none yeah. left. So you just have to resolve that Gordian knot. And that was the <laughs> entire story. Uh, and then we played another one, which was me trying to be much more experimental with it in that I dived into a very niche part of the law and I started going through like the, it was all about the water gods and traveling up this river. It was, I was, I think I just watched apocalypse now and I was trying to do some kind of <laughs> apocalypse now situation. Um, so we, we, yeah, those are the two campaigns that we'd done previously before we jumped into the start set. Actually mob, uh, wrote up, uh, one such apocalypse now, uh, game. Uh, it was published in Tales of Region Moon as Hut of Darkness. Really? Okay, there you go. I'll have to check that out. Mob's um, uh, Mob's Sun County stuff uh, was something that I got exposed to very, very early, obviously, because I knew that he he had it. So I went, oh wow, I, I better I better go take a read of this. <laughs> yes. 
let's talk about the uh, new hero stream because that's the ongoing thing i mean you're doing a bunch of other stuff online but you know this is a Laurenta podcast so um the so first i have to say that the greatest bit of environmental storytelling in the stream is the evolution of the shelves behind you <laughs> oh, that's so it's, funny. It's it started out as like I think at the beginning there was like maybe one shelf with just a couple of um rune quests, rule books, and Call of Cthulhu. And then you got the second shelf, the you know, the guide to Glorantha appeared, like Delta Green, Vesson uh appeared, like the, the, the whole bunch of stuff, like a Warhammer fantasy appeared, and I'm like, oh nice, he's getting more and more books. This is good. I'm happy for him. That's that's <laughs> very funny. Yeah. Uh, what, what what a laugh! Yeah, uh, a lot of so that is that's definitely been true. I've definitely I, I continue to evolve my understanding of tabletop role playing games, and I do my best to read widely and keep up to date. Uh, there is also an element of I I can be quite disorganized, and it takes me a while to get <laughs> my books together. Um, for a while, I didn't. I had when I just had the one shelf. I was playing um like. I guess, prioritization. I think I had the guide to Glorantha because I got that quite early, but I was like, I can't put it up because it'll break the shelf because I didn't think it was... <laughs> I, it turns out these are really stable. But when I bought them, they had a weight limit printed on them that was like 10 kilograms. And I was like, that, that, can't, that can't be right. I was like, yes. No, no, yeah, they're totally fine. But um, but yes, I've definitely... It, it does continue to evolve. I get more and I get more. And yeah. um, Well, know that I'm not alone. There are nerds out there who do love to look at shelves and they will notice when you add more books. So you can... Yes. Well, I'll give you an interesting piece of shelf trivia then. Uh, yeah. what, everyone, what everyone comes for. <laughs> um, uh, I have, in the past six months, moved house three times. Wow. But I've always had a rendered white wall so oh. I just set it right back up and I did it week to week sometimes, you know, like I would, I, I, th I think I did it once in between the Call of Cthulhu screen, stream, which is in Australia filmed on Saturday and the RuneQuest stream, which in Australia is filmed on Tuesday. So I dismantled everything, moved house, entirely set back up all my books back and, and, and it's seamless. I swear. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so more seriously, the um, the new hero stream, which is great. I really, I really enjoy it. I think you're you're um, doing a, a great job. Like uh, everybody's uh, wonderful, and uh, like you've got some really good players there. Uh, and like I said, also David is uh, is helping a lot as a good GM assistant. One thing that I appreciate is that it's nice seeing people who are. Um, uh like relatively speaking new to runequest running games like i started playing runequest uh two years ago i think and i still can't hold all of the rules in my head so i'm always <laughs> like you know if whenever i can see you struggling with like you know oh what is the augment bonus for this rune roll or whatever it's like i'm like yes i'm not alone so um this is good but you you do a great job of also just keeping the story going even despite the fact that it's a fairly crunchy system it's pretty high on the crunch scale right and i get the feeling that most people who do live streams they tend to favor more light systems because you want to get the mechanics out of the way and get the, the story going so 
how do you manage that? For sure. Well, I'm I'm glad you enjoy the stream. First of all, it's uh, very nice to say, and I'm really pleased that there's people who are having fun with it. Um, and yeah, the the crew are fantastic. So Dave and Bridget is spectacular. It was wonderful to have Harley on board. Um, I'll also say our chat has stepped up a lot and really jumps in. A big shout out to RQ Staffen, who always jumps in with rules clarifications in our Twitch chat, actually. <laughs> yes. So there's a lot of times where I get in design and my eyes are flicking over and I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't need to worry. He's going to say something in a second to clarify. <laughs> but um, you, you are totally right. I think that particularly recently, there's been a big surge in popularity of these very rules-like systems, you know, uh, powered by the apocalypse, kind of the classic example. Mm-hmm. And... I, I do think, though, that in the grand scheme of things, RuneQuest isn't the ultimate crunchiest system. You know, it's not hardcore traveler or something like that, where you've got <laughs> just this wild level of um, uh, mechanical interactions. That said, it's definitely it's it's a, it's got some crunch to it. I think that the key was to keep it small, uh, to keep it focused, and also to embrace the values of. You know, maximum game fun and your Glorantha will vary, you know, jump in. And the rules, I think, are set up the way that they are because they're fundamentally the same as the Glorantham setting. There's a whole heap there. And when you get to something that you find interesting, jump into it and go with it. If you don't get it exactly right, that doesn't matter. You can dive into it more deeply later and explore it at your leisure you know just in the same way that there are exact interpretations of the Glorantham gods within the setting there are people who are going to be using the rules one day one way perhaps because they have inherited um some mechanical systems from uh earlier editions of Glorantha there's some people who will uh explore it another way and there's is the whole ecosystem and you can exist where you want within it cool um did you um because like the the um, the new hero stream is mostly like original uh, material, but sort of based off of some of the material you can find in the in the core rulebook, um, GM screen starter set. So um, can you share maybe your process for coming up with you know the original adventures that you're uh, playing in the stream? Sure thing. So Dave and I knew that we were going to start up a RuneQuest stream uh, and we knew I was going to run it because we'd sort of delegated that area of expertise and we were thinking about what we wanted to run. And we went through all of the published material. We went through all of the material that was from older editions. We decided that we would go with something that we were... Uh, when when we jump into something, we want to push one product. We want to say, look, this is really an exploration of, you know, say the Pegasus Plateau, for example. And we want to show you the best version of that to get people excited about it. We wanted the leading product that we were pushing for a new hero stream to be either the RuneQuest starter set or the RQG book, because that's what we're trying to say. This is what we are actually showing to you because we're trying to get new people on board. So given that we didn't want to run any of the scenario collections or any of the other published material, we'd already run the starter set scenarios. So therefore we had to create our own content. The first campaign that is the clan rivalry that builds, that was 
based very obviously around the idea of just a, a clan a clan rivalry. It's like the most intuitive story I think that gets told in, in like the smaller scale in Glorantha. Um, so it was a you know a, fest, a contest, a festival, a series of trials, and then one of those trials leads on to other problems so i i had an idea at some point they were going to go into like an ancestral temple and it was like a shared ancestry situation oh uh and uh i guess how did i do it i messaged jeff and i said what area if you were trying to do something small scale would you do and he said consider the village of uh greenstone there's some interesting stuff there and then i just went from <laughs> from that and that so as, as soon as i had the the village name i was like huh well they're really related to this clan oh and there's like an earth temple that makes sense i bet i'll i'll make the characters because i want them to be like loosely related i'll make their mother a, a, a you know an elder priestess who trained at this temple so it all went in that direction and then it sort of became intuitive i was like if they if if they have linked ancestry then you want to link the ancestors which means that you should go into the old family tomb and then if you're doing that something undeady should happen and then if you started undeady well there's this whole thing that is delecti and you know so go from there um that sort of stuff what did you use for research did you really just use what's in the starter set and the core um uh, sleep case or did you actually start going through old fanzines and the gate to Glorantha and all that or um uh, <laughs> um i i i i do the approach of kind of just going as deep as i can into a bunch of random material and then going backwards so obviously i wanted to make sure that the material that we have is still focused on the starter set and the core book but i got as much as i could and then tried to pull it back into that so i grabbed i think first of all i started with the uh, guide to Glorantha and the bestiary. I started looking on the wiki a lot. Um, and just of, well, you know, there's various the, sites. The that try to... Dalias? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's another, there's another site as well that hosts some information. The wiki. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, a lot of that stuff is, is incomplete or, um, not updated. Um, but it was great to get me started in the right direction and, you know, sort of, and then I would, grab i would grab um references and sometimes it was you know i i definitely had a lot of stuff in my favor for example i would see a word and i'd be like huh i know that's important oh that's all right i have access to every chaosium book that was ever published in the dropbox let me do a keyword search for that word and then i would find every reference that it was ever printed so i was able to be kind of just nip through that yeah no the searching through multiple pdfs is is very useful even even when you don't have the entire chaosium catalog but oh uh, yeah yeah even when even with my uh uh modest subset of the chaosium catalog it's very useful uh, i want to also point out that you mentioned the bestiary and uh this is a mistake i did early on which was to think that the bestiary was just a collection of monsters and so i'm like you know if i need a monster i'll look into it but uh, otherwise i'm not going to read that book and when i actually got around to starting skimming a bit more through uh, the bestiary i realized there's a surprising amount of world building inside actually and, and setting information so i would probably recommend people to not skip on the bestiary uh, thinking it's just stat blocks of monsters absolutely i mean the stat blocks are useful and particularly with a game like RuneQuest, it's good to have as many stat blocks on hand as you can but there's a bunch of really useful information there and just stuff that gives you a sense of the world, a sense of the characters, and also a sense of things that you can then go and look up further. 
ultimately my research did lead me towards the guide to Glorantha. Um, for fanzine content, things like that, that's when I start to lean on people like Andrew and people like Jeff a bit more. But I, I you know, I got up every reference within the uh, guide to Glorantha and was going through it very carefully. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, uh, your chosen village of green uh, of Greenstone brings me back to an old freeform I had uh, the chance to play in. It was the Fall of the House of Merlin. Oh, which featured characters like Merlin, uh, Queen Lismelda, and also Old Man Varmint. Oh, fantastic! Really, that is so funny. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that. So when Jeff suggested uh, Greenstone to me, I, I think it was because he'd, he'd just been doing a series of posts or an update in a series of posts where he was actually writing out a bunch of information about all of these towns. So you can find that on, on Facebook or anything like that. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain that Jeff at least played in it uh, if he didn't write it. <laughs> really? That's so funny. Oh, my God, the ties. That's fantastic. So... Uh... You should possibly lean on him a little bit to get some of that uh, information. Oh, that's hilarious. I will absolutely ask him the next time I speak to him. How wonderful is that? I thought it was quite like a, a kind of quarter of the world that people haven't played in that much. It's actually a genuine blast to be able to say, oh, my God, you've done campaigns there too. It's so fun when you can talk about that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, the Vamandi have been the uh, uh, the sample uh, clan of uh, Sata for mm. years. They already yeah. were detailed in the Ganatella box. There you go. I didn't know that they were a formal sort of like suggested starter clan. I had uh, basically... Uh, no, they, they weren't. They simply were the sample uh, what my father told me. Oh, right. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. That makes total sense. We'll have to we'll have to add links in the show notes for uh, what is this whole what my father told me uh, to people who might not have heard about it because that's, yeah, uh, uh, which is a great shout out to the old publication HeroQuest Voices, which was free for download and I think still is on the Well of Dahlia. Cool. So um, do you have other pieces of advice maybe for uh, people where to find like good stuff in the starter set or in the core slipcase? Sure. Uh, well, some a little bit, some quick fire random advice. Uh, if you want to play the solo quest, you can get it online as well. So you can check it out there. It's just a little tool that people might be interested in. Uh, when you jump into the characters for the starter set and you've got all of the folios in front of you uh i would recommend that you pick the ones that you want your players to play and that you feel the most comfortable with first and that not to say that you assign them but take a selection because it will guide you a little more one of the cool things about the starter set is that it gives you several ways that you can play the game based on the characters that you select uh but if you if you want to set the tone of the world in a particular direction just pick a pick like enough of them that people still have a choice but you know you can put some to the side that you can explore later and then that gives you more npcs that can come in and also backups for when people die <laughs> <laughs> yes um or get taken out um one of the things that i found quite useful is a reframing and I'm still don't know if this is necessarily the correct way to do it, but a reframing of the strike rank system to not think as much of it as like a turn order in the same way that some other games do. As in, instead, more it's we all are kind of 
having a turn at once, basically. We're all saying what we're doing. And then we just kind of go, all right, so really what what's going to be fastest there? What's going to come in? Because you don't actually have to figure out that something happens on turn four opposed to eight. The point is this one's coming out a little bit quicker. This one's coming out a little bit later. And that approach uh, made me a lot more comfortable with it and made me able to sort of then properly understand the rules. Uh, and then I would say look as much as you can into the various hints at like stylistic points. So that seemed a bit, that was a bit vague. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to get a good sense of Glorantha, when Greg and Jeff and all of the writers have been putting it together, they've made all of these very, very detailed references to real world religions, real world practices, real world tropes and styles. So look at those things for inspiration. When you read about Kumar, go and look at ascetic monks and, and you will find so much that you can add into it. When you hear about Arnaldo, go and look at the fertility rites or, you know, earth goddesses, all that kind of material. And you'll find really, really interesting stuff. Mm, cool. And, yeah. Oh, and, and a final thing, um, do have a think about how, people approach religion and apply that to the world of Glorantha itself. Uh, very early on, I was in a game with a few folks and the character, uh, we had one character who was a lunar and who was reading about things and said, is, is it, is it meant to, is it deliberate that I, the, the, there's the seven mothers and the seven light bringers. And we hadn't realized that. And we were like, oh, my God. Yeah, it must be like different interpretations of the same. And we had just absolute blast with that. And you can see how religions kind of form interesting ways, Greek and Roman approaches, whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, I never thought about it that way, but it makes sense, actually. The whole Romans stealing the Greek gods and renaming them. Yeah, yeah no, that's... Uh... Stealing and hurricane. Yeah. Maybe we'll be able to to tell Nick Brooke that uh, really all his gods are just ripoffs. <laughs> 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 well it, you know it's a, it's such a, it's such a fun thing to think about and a fun way to explore the setting basically yeah yeah cool um you were talking about um like actually you know this whole concept of you know your glorantha may vary the what sort of vibe you want in your game and picking the characters from the starter set pre-gens accordingly and all that um did you actually have like some kind of session session zero for your stream saying like this is the sort of glorantha that i want to present and the sort of stories and themes i want to uh, to introduce and Absolutely. I'm a big fan of session zeros in games in general. Um, it doesn't always have to be. What I usually do with my group is we do a session, we do a session zero into playing. So we will meet, get dinner and kind of talk about characters and talk about the world, create our characters and then play a little bit. It's not the sort of same structure as a normal session where we will go in. So I, I always find that really, really useful just to get everybody on board to make sure that everyone has their expectations set and you can do things like when we were playing alien we were like hey um uh this game isn't going to benefit as much from people cracking jokes uh so make <laughs> like check your sillies at the door we want to get really spooky here so yes. let's mm -hmm. let's take it really seriously 
with the stream content, there is an extra level of session zero that is needed because you are doing a stream. You know, there's logistical constraints. There's a, you need to understand like call times and, you know, are we coming in costume and what's our expectations here? Should we be doing this? Should we be doing that? Uh, and, and you need to make sure that everyone is up to date on software and has access to the right tools and everything like that so yeah we we did a session zero and uh we we sort of set the 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 scene for each one i think the prime focus with a new hero was the idea that we are staying small and if we see something we're going to explore it because we want to sort of go through that and with the uh the starter set stream it was very much jump in and like don't stress too much about it. It is your Glorantha will vary. We want to show people that you can just kind of go, Hey, have fun. You don't need to do a bunch of study before you go in. Nice. Yeah. Has it happened to you in the stream that your original ideas were derailed by the players? Oh yeah. <laughs> ah, quite a bit. I think that the biggest example for me, and this was, you know, I'm, I'm, I, sometimes I think I've been the GM for such a long time and I've seen it all. And that is so not true. I'm still very <laughs> new to it all and I have so much to learn. Um, uh, but the, the, I think the, was it the first scenario? The, the first scenario of the second season of the, um, a new hero when they're heading into the, the swamps. Um, so I had those horses that kept popping up throughout the whole thing. I had this, my original plan was I had this whole, subplot where there was a and the first fight that you had against um uh the undead was going to be these inside a stable where these there's a bunch of horses that are trapped in there and they're hiding from like zombies that are trying to get in and stuff and i wanted to have the horses around because i knew the centaurs were going to come later and it would be like a strange connection and then Bridget and uh, Dave were like, yeah, well, we're not going that way. I just kept going. And I was like, oh, okay, great. And then I had, I also had originally, my thought was that they would dip into the, to the swamps and then head back out because I had, I saw I'd done, I'd have to go back to my notes because obviously it's been several uh, months since we were playing, but the, the village on the edge with the, um, Uh, and they're, they're, they're good, good sword or something. There's a good sword clan, maybe. I, I, I like fleshed out their village. I had a bunch of like side quests and stuff to do inside there and people and everything. <laughs> so it's like they'll go out and they'll like be like, oh my God, we got there and it was crazy. And they'll get some information there. And I was like, oh no, they they just decided to go deeper in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, that's why, that's why I don't prepare my games too much because it's most of the time the players just go in another direction anyway <laughs> um actually the one thing i forgot to ask um which sort of relates to you know what you put in your glorenta what you what you prepare uh and and the the themes you uh you put in your game is what are the aspects of glorenta that you actually very like and what are the aspects of glorenta you do not like which you either change or just ignore or exclude sure so I will start with stuff I really like. Mm -hmm. um, this is a totally random thing to say, and I know people go on about it. I love the ducks. I saw them. It was, it was, you know, I, I did say that I, I thought they were weird because I just didn't get beast, uh, beast men in general. I didn't, I, it, it felt very like 70s, 80s fantasy to me the first time I jumped in, something I hadn't been exposed to. But I grew up like adoring DuckTales and like all of this stuff like that. And I genuinely, one of the first TTRPG things that I ever made myself, it was completely true when I was 
14 or something with a friend was was a was a game called duck romancer where you are ducks and you have to, you, you're like wizards and i, I then later Ooh. found out that there i think some other people have made games called that or something so it's not like exactly it's not a um unique um thing but you know it's a phenomenon of simultaneous creation or whatever our, our game was all about making puns so it was literally just about <laughs> you, your, your skills are like duck diplomacy um and stuff like that of um, course <laughs> uh, but I, I then just decided because I like that stuff, I just started reading about them and I got really, really into it. Nice. Did, did you check out the duck pack, um, uh, books on the yeah, Johnson I, Compendium? I, 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 oh, oh no, not on the Johnson Compendium, but I, I, no, or did I? I can't, I'm not sure. At this point, I've read, I read a lot. This, no, I think this was, this, uh, when I did the deep dive, it was before the Johnson Compendium had come out. So it wouldn't okay. have been then. Yeah. But, um, I had a really fantastic time with that. I really like the Mostali. That was a lot of fun. I had, um, I, I, I go, uh, to, I've been twice to New Caledonia because right next to Australia for some conventions over there. And there was a guy there who was like, let me explain to you why the Mustalis are cool. And I, and he just sort of hit me with all the awesome lore. One of the, um, sort of first campaigns I ran before the starter set campaign that with my friends that we were doing was about somebody who had stolen a Mostali artifact from your small village and it had stopped salmon production. And that was like going to destroy your entire existence. You were all going to starve. So you had to go and you had to track down this Mostali who was returning a piece of the world machine for it to be like right. prepared. Yes. I really like enjoyed that. I think that the stuff I've enjoyed a little bit less is some of the grand spanning political stuff. Okay. So the interactions between uh, the Lunar Empire and the, uh, you know, the Satterites, the interactions between the Lunars and the Praxians, um, all of this content that's very high scale meta, it's cool and it's really great as a background piece. But when you're dealing with world changing stuff, I really want to do it justice, which means I really want to make sure that the players have all the background knowledge and for players who haven't played a lot of RuneQuest, they don't know it. So it's hard for them to connect. They hear, you know, um, Kalia Starbrow is doing something and they don't know oh, who's that. Why do I care? What's the, what's the deal? So as I said, keep it small. And that's, that's a weird philosophy I just have in general. I, I, one of my loudest rants I ever went on was about how the Death Star is too big. There would have been millions of stories <laughs> and bizarre things on that. Yes. It doesn't have been smaller. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's, it's there are. I probably have the same problem as you mostly possibly because we come from Call of Cthulhu where the whole point is to play, you know, some average antiquarian or librarian or or whatever who just happens to be at the wrong place at the wrong time and now has to save uh, the world. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're still just like a, a, a normal mundane person. And in a lot of my games, I end up having my players play mundane people too. But for RuneQuest, I'm like the game I'm running, I've been really trying to force myself to make them be heroes and it's really unnatural to me but yeah one of one of the reasons that uh i've i think that jeff has tolerated so many long discussions with me because we go over time a lot is that i when i was at university i mentioned that i, I did sort of um uh screenwriting and a lot of academic study into that um i learned all of the narratological uh like storytelling tropes and that relates a lot to RuneQuest and the way that heroes work one of the things i struggled with when trying to get characters to be heroes like you were saying 
is that so much of the story of a hero is them coming from a normal place, you know, their emergence from the ordinary world. And, and uh, it's important for them to have this low key attachment. And even the ultimate resolution of the hero, hero's journey is always to come back home and to see, you know, to, to go back into your small world. So I, I found it quite hard to be heroes right from the get go, which is why I, I personally have had it very useful to be in these like smaller kind of submarine almost episodes. Mm, cool. Okay, so uh, I think we should uh, wrap it up. I think it's been more than an hour. We have, uh, unless uh, Jorg has some more serious questions, we have some <laughs> silly questions for you. Fantastic. I'm, I'm into it. Let's go. All right. So uh, what would you put your saddle on? What's your favorite speed in Glorantha? Oh, God. Ha. Oh, that is such a good question. Um <laughs> So one of the things I, how can I not mention this? One of the things that I dived into massively was a lot of the Praxian content. Um, as I mentioned, my first exposure, I think, to RuneQuest actually might have been Kana Khan's, the board oh, game, nice, um, yes. because I was doing the, the, the work on it for some translation, and I, I ended up looking back. I love the two-legged alliance and all of the lore about that stuff um i think it's really fun and i just i i'm a big fan of like flamingos and two-legged creatures so in general i think i'd be a on one of the lizards the uh bolo lizard i think i would have to go with that <laughs> oh nice yeah no original that's good that's good um lunar or or lengthy or praxian i do think i would have to say Lanthi, just because that's the area that I think the most adventures kind of come from and emerge. My favorite place to play, and if I could just put any everything there, it would be on the border of Prax and Sata. I think that that's the most, uh, the region I want to be. Oh, you, you're technically in Sata, but the Raiders are coming more and more. And yeah, <laughs> I think that's fine. Although that said, the, yeah, the, the, the first um, content I, I was exposed to was all in, in Prax. Right. So, uh, what's your favorite card? We oui. God. Um, <laughs> I think that Humakt is really, really cool. Uh, not just because I love swords and being a badass warrior and stuff like that. I really enjoy um, uh, just asceticism in general. Like, I, 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 my, my dad was actually a massive meditation guy and uh when i was a kid he used to drag me along to like literally hundreds of hours of meditation like classes and get togethers wow. and stuff like that i wanted to be able to float uh i remember that from when i was like four to like seven when i was able to stop coming because i was a bit older i was like just teach me someone who can ho hover like that i want to just be able to cross my legs and float um did it ever, did it ever work well, they finally explained to me that it is more of a metaphorical floating and i think that that's what i said <laughs> Well, I've got some bad news for you then, because uh, the card you really want to join is Yana Faltaniels. Oh, really? Okay. Something yeah, well, he, he's then. got all that mysticism of the Lunars, and okay. they have all those right, hovering chicks. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, I, I will check it out. But yeah, uh, Humar fits the play style of character that I tend to like to play. Otherwise, um, Uruks. I would say that just be, uh, I like characters that are either quite and reserved and, you know, or on a bound, uh, or just like big and 
boisterous and it's great when you're in Roxy because as long as you're killing chaos, no one can kind of say that you're a bad person because you're like, I'm doing the, I'm doing the thing. I'm doing my job here. Exactly. Yeah. If you're boisterous and loud, you say, well, are you dedicating your life to fighting literally the worst evil possible? No, you know, leave me alone. Uh, Trollkin or ducks? I suppose uh, you're going to say ducks because. Hey, ducks. I got, I got to go ducks. I actually, I actually don't know all that much about trolls, although I have, I, I have had a quite a few long conversations about them, which um, got me up to date. But I still just find that ducks cool and exciting, and uh, affiliated with Humat. So there you go. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> yes, there's that. So how about instead, scorpion men or undead? Well, undead, I got to say, um, scorpion men are cool. Uh, the the poison and the details like that. But I was quite taken with the lore of the undead. That's just also a, a trope I like. I think it was really cool that it, it's, it's so hard to do undead when they're not sort of the, the ultimate end of the world scourge kind of thing because Glorantha's faceless evil is really chaos that's coming out and it's going to get you. So the undead is, it, it's something else. And Glorantha is the perfect game for it because it is a game where you can get a bit philosophical and you can, because you know, you've got, got have, you, have you been on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Stay, but, stay um, away from the Glorantha forums, but yes, <laughs> sorry. So, <laughs> so who's your favorite undead villain really? Uh, you, uh, Delecti or Brangbane? Uh, I, I, it, it's, it's got to be Delecti because I, 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 I dived in further into that. I did like what I read about uh, Brandbane, but is, and there's, I'm, I'm sorry if I get names slightly wrong. Is who is the, is it Zorg or Zog, the zombie kind of just like straight? Never heard about this guy. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to look this up. Ah, I'm gonna sound silly. I'm probably Zorak Zoran, the, the troll god. No, no, there was a. Uh, give me give me two seconds actually because i have you know, post-it notes everywhere that i i just i just so happened to have <laughs> just cleaned out my um my desk and hadn't moved and i got a bunch of notes from when i was running the game and didn't oh wait vork 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 yeah uh, I, I might be getting it wrong, but uh, my understanding is that Vork is like a basically just a a, a big zombie bastard, just really really going to go go in and attack you. And then you know, uh, I think Viva Moore was on my list as well for going into that. I I, I I I liked I liked reading about the undead. It was it was fun. Nice, it was a lot yeah. fun. But yeah, the undead are interesting because sometimes they're you know bad news, like in the in in the marsh where where you're in in your game. But um, like Jörg was saying, like the, the Zorak Zoran uh, war god of the trolls, he likes reanimating people as undead and skeletons just to make bigger armies and fight chaos. So it's a, it's a good thing. So absolutely. Yeah. I think I think I mentioned that offhandedly in the stream. But yeah, it's 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 awesome. I've I've always I've always loved kind of like necromancer heroes. I think it's quite cool. Um, so I yeah, that was a lot of fun. So undead. Absolutely. Undead. <laughs> Cool. So yeah, uh, what part of the uh, uh, backgrounds uh, presented in the core book would be your favorite? Hmm. In terms of the uh, the like regional backgrounds, yeah, the homelands, yeah, yeah. Uh, regardless where you're playing, you can be a Tarshite or Trexian sure. or Azrolian. So like the homelands, yeah. That's a really good question. There's a lot to be said for all of them. I would 
would probably eliminate Sata just because it's it's good. But it, it, if you're going, what's your favorite one apart from the ordinary? Uh, Prax is neat, but actually, at the end of the day, it's it's uh, kind of mo- it's like a very specific flavor that I want a bit of more versatility. Uh, I like Azrolia, but I do feel like it get like you can get some of the Azrolia tropes in other kinds of fantasy a little bit more easily than maybe some of the others. I think I think uh, Tash probably uh, I think is really interesting. Just because the first time it was introduced to me, I immediately thought of like Asterix's village and be like, oh, you know, you can play like the one <laughs> resistant. No, so yeah, Lunatash. I think it's it's got a really cool thing where you're sort of Luna, sort of not, and particularly if you're playing like a. A, you know, a Tarshite soldier that is come into uh, Sata. You know, your neighbors, but also not. And then you've got all the stuff with old Tarsh, and yeah, it's cool. Okay, last one, and then we'll let you go. Uh, your favorite runes? Uh, well, with with Humak in the background, Death Rune has got to be a good one. Uh, we were talking about the undead, so undeath. No, I'm kidding. Um, I can't do the undead. Um, of the of the core of the core character sort of runes. Um, I think, yeah, the, I, 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 I think Death Rune is good. I think Water Rune is is good. I like Truth Rune, Fire Rune. Um, I think if, if I was trying to make a character of how I, not necessarily how I really am, because I can be a real, a real, a real squirrely bastard. But I think that um, <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, sort of the trying to be kind of as 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 straightforward and 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 clean and direct as possible is is is, is good um because it, it makes you ultimately more peaceful <laughs> <laughs> yeah the what i find the water rune trickier than the other elemental runes to bring in play i've um maybe as a virtue of doing a lot of streaming i've had to and this is i think it's a good thing be a lot more aware of sharing spotlight and folding in favor of other ideas because you're trying to run something for an audience and for a group. And I think that that sort of made me think about people who enjoy uh, going with things and being mercurial, be like water. You know, um, I actually had the, the, the fun line when I, when we, when we were finishing uh, the course that I did at the screenwriting course, we were encouraged to create like a branding for ourselves. And we had to come out and one of our assignments was, you know, I'm, I'm this type of writer who likes to do this, you know, I'm the best at writing crime or I'm the best at doing this. And the, the uh, analog I went for, um, and it ultimately got me a bunch of my first jobs was um, I, I'm really, really good at, writing other people's stories. Um, so uh, hire me because, uh, you know, you you need writers because also the people who need writers are the ones who have enough capital to pay. So, you know, it was a good way to get jobs. <laughs> but, I, you know, I love existing inside established worlds. I love sort of going with the flow of things. Um, I also like characters that can kind of buffet the storm in a big way. Um, so, yeah, I think Water is kind of cool in that sense. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Um People can find you, of course, on the YouTube, uh, the Chaosium YouTube channel. Uh, where else can they find you? Absolutely. Yes, it was great talking to you both as well. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, thank you to everybody who who listened. Uh, I hope you had fun. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at RoboPelican. Uh, you can also find the rest of the cast of, and you hear a stream there, Dave and Bridget and all the starter set folks too. You can find us on the Stream of Chaos Discord. Uh, you can find links to that in the social uh sections of uh, you know various profiles in the youtube channel and 
Yeah, you'll 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 see me around. You'll see my name pop up on things every now and again coming out of Chaosium. Uh, uh, yeah, it's about the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Cool. Well, thanks again. Uh, it was great to talk to you, and thanks for coming. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the God Learners. Our website is godlearners.com, where you can find episodes, newsletters, and articles about Glorantha. Reach us via email at collective at godlearners.com or via Twitter or Facebook at The God Learners for any questions or feedback. We are The God Learners. Question everything to the void and beyond. beyond.